This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. BBC Sounds. Music, radio, podcasts. Screenplay. Based on a true story. Working title. San Francisco. Burning. Interior, late afternoon, City Hall, San Francisco, November 27, 1978. Medium shot. A woman sits signing papers at a large mahogany desk. She's dressed in a light brown suit with wide collars. Her hair is neat, swept back. Suddenly, a series of loud, muffled sounds that resemble gunshots. The woman looks up, alarmed, confused, deciding what to do next. Wide shot. Through her open door, we see a man run past, frenzied, crazed. Hurriedly, the woman gets up and pursues the man, close on her face, in profile as she runs. Terror. We hear five more gunshots. The woman hesitates at an office doorway. The assailant has fled. Close on, the woman's face. Shock. Mid-shot. On the floor, a man lies on his stomach in a pool of blood. The woman crouches down, feels for a pulse, placing a finger in one of the bullet holes. It's too late. Slow fade. And thus, greatness was thrust upon her. The woman was Diane Feinstein. The lifeless body on the floor, Harvey Milk. California's first openly gay elected official. And there was another man slain that day, of course, Mayor George Moscone. Feinstein, a Democrat, had run for mayor twice, but lost. But now her moment had arrived. Whether she liked it or not, she was next in line. She was mayor, the first female mayor of San Francisco, at the age of 45. The spirit of this city is one of promise and hope, of progress, of generosity, of love, of tolerance, of forgiveness. As we reconstructed the city after the physical damage done by the earthquake and fire, so too can we rebuild from the spiritual damage caused to the body politic. To make matters worse, the man who'd pulled the trigger, Dan White, was a man she'd once called a friend. Fourteen years after that blood-stained day in City Hall, Feinstein became California's first female senator. At the age of 86, she's still in the Senate. One of the most influential people in D.C. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. For now, it's the 1970s. San Francisco had become one of the most progressive cities on Earth. Cut to present-day San Francisco, Mission Dolores Park. A man sits on a bench overlooking the city, close by the original site of Spanish settlement. This neighborhood is adjacent to the Castro. By the 1960s and 1970s, the Castro became the city's preeminent gay neighborhood. The mission where we're located developed into a significant lesbian community. The man is Mark Stein of San Francisco State University. Through the 1970s, the LGBT community grew and mobilized in San Francisco, and it diversified. So there was a powerful lesbian feminist movement, there was a powerful trans movement, there was a powerful gay movement, and bisexuals began organizing independently as well. So it's in that sense that we really can begin to talk about an LGBT movement. So Harvey Milk arrived in this moment, arrived in San Francisco, uh, became well-known, 
alone in the Castro after he opened up his camera shop. Harvey Milk lost the first couple of attempts when he ran for office, but finally he won. He won election to the Board of Supervisors in San Francisco in 1977. Harvey Milk had been known for successfully building alliances with the labor movement in San Francisco, partly as a result of a massive national campaign against Coors Beer, which was both anti-union and anti-gay. So Milk allied with Moscone, other progressives on the Board of Supervisors, and they are increasingly passing progressive legislation. But now, Milk and Moscone were dead. And as the city's mayor, it was Feinstein that San Francisco looked to. Just before the murders, Feinstein had told journalists she wanted out of politics. Her husband had died from cancer earlier that year. She was depressed. She'd failed to get the top job twice already. Time to move on. But the murders of Milk and Moscone weren't the only twist of fate in Feinstein's journey to the top of politics. While her husband was dying, a terrorist outfit called the New World Liberation Front planted a bomb at her home. It was time to go off at 2 a.m. Exterior, San Francisco, a clear moonlit night. Establishing shot, a large townhouse. Slow zoom towards a front ground floor window. Close on, a flower pot on the windowsill. In the pot, a tangle of wires are attached to a bundle of explosives and a digital clock. The seconds count up towards 2 a.m. 56, 57, 58, 59... The bomb didn't go off. They'd used an explosive device which wouldn't detonate below zero degrees. In San Francisco, the temperature rarely drops below freezing, except that night it did. Feinstein was lucky, very lucky. After that, she started carrying a concealed thirty-eight. Chance allowed her to cheat death, and Chance made her mayor, but the city she inherited was in turmoil. The stench of death was in the air that fall, at home and away, Until a few years earlier, the city had been the home of the People's Temple, a cult led by Jim Jones. Jones had seduced much of the city, many of its leaders, too. A promise of utopia had always gone down well in California, of course. Jones was just the latest salesman. But in 74, he and his followers migrated to Guyana. His followers thought they were heading to an eternal socialist paradise. Well, what they got was certainly eternal. When a handful tried to escape, they discovered there was no escape from this paradise. Exterior, Port Kaituma, Airstrip, Guiana, day. Wide shot. The last two passengers board a six-seater Cessna aircraft, pulling in their suitcase behind them. The runway is just a flat strip of dirt. Various people, including children, mill around as the aircraft prepares to leave. Close on the face of the final passenger, he's sweating profusely, shifty, suspicious. From inside, he pulls up the steps, which form the door of the aircraft. The Cessna taxis away from the camera. Interior. The passenger takes his seat, looking around. As the aircraft gathers speed, he jumps up, and from inside his pocket produces a handgun. It was a grim sight that met us in Jonestown. From the air, we could see that bodies still remained clustered around the central camp pavilion. We could see their brightly colored clothes. Events on the airfield set in motion a chain of events which left 909 people dead, most from cyanide poisoning, the majority from the San Francisco area. Revolutionary suicide, Jim Jones called it. You and I would call it mass murder. 
Eleven days later, Mayor Moscone and Harvey Milk were dead, too. Like I said, death was in the air. And so, into the picture steps Diane Feinstein. Born in San Francisco, Stanford educated, father a surgeon, her mother a former model. She wasn't what you'd expect from San Francisco in the 70s, but she was the right woman at the right time. As one newspaper said, she was a voice for the city's sorrow. She was poised. She was eloquent. She was restrained. We have always been looked at as a tolerant city, an open city. Some people say eclectic, others say eccentric, some say crazy. I I spend a lot of my time uh, convincing, cajoling, uh, uh, reconciling different groups. But But then the byproduct is understanding, it's tolerance, and I think it's enormous artistic stimulation. She operated in the center ground. She sorted out the garbage and the wastewater. She put more police on the streets, overhauled the crumbling cable car system, and cracked down on the skyscrapers that were sprouting up, ruining the character of the city. She was a moderate. If we want to link Dianne Feinstein to Harvey Milk, they were not actually allies. When Harvey Milk and Dianne Feinstein served together on the Board of Supervisors for those 11 months, Harvey Milk was aligned with the progressives on the Board of Supervisors, and Feinstein was aligned with the more moderate supervisors. The LGBT community took to the streets when she vetoed domestic partnership legislation. She called it too vague. To some, she was approved. Others thought she couldn't care less what people got up to in bed. She just wanted everybody in bed by 11. But she did appoint a pro-gay police chief due to antagonism, which went right back to the 50s. There were waves of crackdowns by the police on LGBT bars and LGBT public cultures. So places like this, Mission Dolores Park, where gay men might be meeting regularly to cruise, to find partners, to socialize, police would arrive and arrest people on any number of charges. Bars were clearly also a target. Some city politicians found it advantageous to appear tough on crime and to crack down on various forms of what they defined as vice. At the very moment Feinstein became mayor, Silicon Valley was going into overdrive. It had been built and sustained by defense bucks, but now venture capital was taking over. By the turn of the 80s, California was producing over half a million new jobs a year, the majority in tech. California was becoming wealthy, very wealthy, and powerful. It seemed the good times would last forever. There were a number of reasons why the Valley expanded in the 70s and 80s. One was money. Leslie Berlin of the Silicon Valley Archives at Stanford University. There were changes in the laws governing how pension funds could invest. And suddenly, they were allowed to invest in much riskier sorts of opportunities. And the amount of money available to venture capital funds, which were just getting started in the 1970s, exploded. Another key factor was the immigration from around the world. After changes in the law around who was allowed to arrive, the technology itself also had a lot to do with the uh, explosion in the 70s and 80s. You had the invention of the microprocessor at the beginning of the 1970s. And what this device could do, you could program it to do almost anything, really led 
to the explosion of the consumer electronics market. And suddenly, Silicon Valley, which had been so much about defense spending in the 60s, suddenly became about consumer electronics. This is where you had the personal computer industry spring up. Also, the video game industry had its roots during this time. But the good times didn't last forever. A brutal recession was brewing. California started losing jobs, lots of jobs, many of them from the defense industry. Inner-city poverty and violence was escalating. When Feinstein ran for the Senate in 94, she had a fight on her hands. Her challenger? Billionaire Michael Huffington. It was the most expensive non-presidential election in history. It was also the nastiest. The race was close. Feinstein hung on. At the age of 86, she remains a senator. Dianne Feinstein, the first woman senator from the state of California who believes in comity, in amity, and who's been trying to do that in her role in the United States Senate, even as California has gotten more and more liberal. Pat Morrison, L.A. Times columnist. I think the moderation has been useful. The Senate is a more moderate body. A lot of people hate California. We're beautiful, we're rich, we're big. But she has done her level best to keep California's voice front and center in important committees. She's the one who got through the gun control law, uh, the semi-automatic weapons control law. So she's been able to succeed with that moderation where you wonder that a more extreme politician might not have been able to. Next time, it's the 1990s and L.A. is on fire. LA, home of the body but this is California. There's money to be made as gangster rap goes mainstream. The story of Ice T. The Californian Century is narrated by me, Stanley Tucci. The academic consultant is Dr. Ian Scott of Manchester University. Sound is by John Boland, and the editor is Philip Sellers. It's a BBC Radio Documentaries unit production for BBC Radio 4. The series is written and produced by Lawrence Grizel. Our stories begin, as so many do, with a body. I place the blade on a PM40, which is like a huge scalpel. Mortician Carla Valentine takes you from the mortuary to the scene of a crime to find out how a body got to her slab. People think fires destroy everything. What they don't realise is that actually fires don't necessarily get rid of all of the evidence. Mortem. Subscribe to the podcast on BBC Sounds.